Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. And football season is finally back. Uh, Hill, I'll leave it to you, but I'm, I'm excited to get rolling here as we are just about ready for action. The Hall of Fame game does not count. It, no, it doesn't count. Um, starting this week off with the most important NFL story that has happened to us in a very, very, very long time. Um, Antonio Brown is not only one of the very select few superstar players in NFL history who have been traded in. You could say he's still in his prime. Like He's, he's not, 31. Yeah. Uh, so he's arguably in a very small category of superstar NFL player to have had that happen to him. He may exclusively be the only person in the category of human beings to get frostbite in Oakland in August, uh, which is what happened to him. He lives in California. It's not winter. My God. I mean, first of all, the thing is disgusting, his foot. Like, it's I, not good. It doesn't look like it feels good, so I'm sorry for Antonio Brown there. If this isn't the most Raiders thing ever, they just exude train wreck. I'm really excited about the, the safety, Jonathan Abram. Mm-hmm. Everything you hear about him and everything you see is really, really positive. I'm excited about that kid. Not overly excited about the rest of the team. Really not excited about a pass rush led by Arden Key. So the offense is going to have to score points. And Antonio Brown skipped the beginning of OTAs and now has frostbite in August. So... Things not off to a rollicking start there for the Raiders in a year where if things go south again, you're not going to see a change at head coach. He's locked in for basically the next millennium. But you're going to see some other changes, namely at quarterback. Uh, What did you think of John Gruden's nightmare speech? That was incredible. Now we have John Gruden who basically got this job because he was on TV. And, yep. I mean, he coached the Raiders oh, back sure. in the day. Like, there's that whole legacy thing going on. But if John Gruden's not on Monday Night Football for the last decade, is he coaching the Raiders right now? No. He knows how to use television. Random comparison, and this is by no means con- saying that John Gruden is a modern-day Theodore Roosevelt. But Roosevelt, back in the day, he was the first guy to use the media to get his points across. And Gruden has done that on Monday Night Football. I don't see it working. Because it can be entertaining television, just the way that John Gruden can be entertaining in the Monday Night Football booth, but it's not going to translate to wins on the well, field like we saw last year. I mean, you can make those speeches all you want. My, my th- by the way, that was a hell for right turn going to Teddy Roosevelt, but I appreciate right. it. <laughs> uh, I love history. So, uh, Look, I, I think when you look at the Raiders, he can scream all he wants, nightmare, fuel, all the rest of this nonsense. The reality of it is they're just not that talented. I mean, they're more talented than they were a year ago with Antonio Brown being there. They had three first-round picks. But I would challenge anybody to say to me legitimately that they're going to have a good defense. Who's in that front seven? Maurice Hurst, I think, is actually a young up-and-coming play ball. Who else? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Nobody. Bonta's perfect. Ooh. Uh, I, Assuming I don't, he I plays so. yeah, I mean, a majority Cle- of the know, games. Cleveland Farrell is, is a young kid. We'll see how that plays out. But you know, he's obviously unproven. The secondary has some some talent. You know, with Garon Connolly, although he's been injured for a lot of his career, Abram and, and Joyner could be a very interesting safety tandem. But I, 
I just look at the Raiders and even offensively, like, yeah, they got Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, and that's great. But the offensive line stunk last year. I don't know that it's miles better. We'll see what happens with Trent Brown. I had one executive tell me, I know in certain terms, look, him leaving Dante Scarnecchia in New England, that's a major problem. And him leaving that culture in New England is a major problem. And there's a reason that he was a promising but maybe more of a league average player in San Francisco than he was a star. Then he got to New England, had one great year, and now he's in Oakland. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe Brown's turned that personal corner, professional corner. Maybe he hasn't. But there are certainly doubts there. I think Gruden is entertaining as all get out. That's why, in part, they were chosen by HBO to be the Hard Knocks team. And certainly, I agree with you. That is also a big reason why he was hired. You know, there's a generation of fans who don't even know who the heck John Gruden was as a head coach. They mm-hmm. just know him as the MNF guy. So, I think could you do worse if you're the Raiders? Yeah, sure. I mean, John Gruden has a Super Bowl ring. Give him credit for that. But I think it goes back to, and I'll wrap on that or on this. I think it goes back to the Raiders traded him, and then he went and won the Super Bowl the next year. Mm-hmm. And I think for for Mark Davis who wasn't the owner at the time, obviously his late father Al was, I think it's unfinished business. It was always the feeling of if we had John Gruden that year. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. He would have won the Super Bowl. And now they got him back, and they made this huge splash, and got Vegas coming next year, and you got to put somebody on the billboard. And that's all great for optics. It's not always great in the win-loss column. and We saw that last year with the Raiders, and I have a feeling we're going to be seeing it again this year. I have a very good feeling we're going to be seeing that again, too. Also, just to break down his Rooseveltian speech, which was not at all the case, uh, I'm, he's, this was Gruden on Hard Knocks. I'm really, not into, uh, uh, I'm really not into dreams anymore. I'm into nightmares. You've got to end somebody's dream. You've got to take their job. You've got to take their heart. What is this going to do? Like, I'm not inspired by that speech. You got to take someone's dream. You got to be their nightmare. Like, I get what he's getting at, but look, like, I look, don't think this hard stuff works. Bottom line, okay, this is the NFL. This isn't high school ball. This isn't JUCO ball. This isn't National Football League. And he can get up and scream and yell all he wants, but that's not helping when they're lined up against Patrick Mahomes and when they're lined up against Philip Rivers. Because I can guarantee you, nobody's going to be in a huddle in Oakland. When, it, when they're getting their asses kicked, giving up 30 points to one of those teams and a half, and one of those guys going, listen, you know what, guys? I know we don't have a lot of talent. But you remember what John said back in August about nightmares? Yeah. Come the second half, and we're down 30 to 3. We're going to give them one then. We're going to hold them to 20 points next half. I just – look, I think the Raiders are more talented, but they're in the, they're in the wrong division – the division is very good. You have two teams you could you could make an argument that the Chiefs and the Chargers are the two best teams in football. Now, look, people from New England and Los Angeles and New Orleans would have a very strong argument that they certainly belong right in there, and I would agree with them. But I'm just saying, Los Angeles and Kansas City, like those are heavyweight teams. Those aren't like oh, we might go ten and six. They're not Houston. Mm-hmm. Those teams are like we could win 12, 13 games and be a one seed and be dominant. And a quarter of the Raiders' schedule is against those two teams. Good luck winning one of those games. And on top of that, go look at the Raiders' road schedule this year. Those, and I've mentioned this before, those two teams, 
Denver, obviously. Then they have Minnesota, Green Bay, Indianapolis, Houston, and I believe their AFC opponent is Buffalo. It might be the Jets. Uh, it is the Jets. It's the Jets. So Minnesota, Green Bay, the Jets, Houston, Indianapolis, Denver, Kansas City, Los Angeles. They, they would be thrilled if they won two of those games. So for me, look, Gruden's entertaining, but you're going to get a whole lot of chucky face on the sideline this year when they're just not talented enough to compete with a lot of these teams they're playing against. Yeah, I believe the Raiders are going to peak with this hard knocks appearance and also yeah. historically how many teams have been on hard knocks and gone on to have good seasons well, you know you know who was really interesting it was Hugh Jackson on hard knocks and they stunk until they fired him we both I mean one of the first years we worked together the Houston Texans Bill O baby and Bill O'Brien sitting screaming at Ryan Mallett and you know what that, that was great they went to the playoffs they played in a horrible division and Kansas City went in there and beat them 30 to nothing in a playoff game like, I just I look at the Raiders, and they're entertaining, but it doesn't mean they're good. And I think they're going to be fighting for third place in that division. I think they could beat out Denver, but I, I think even then, I'd probably give the edge to Denver. You do not besperch the good name of Bill O'Brien. He has now has two jobs. He had one job back then when we were making He wasn't good at the first knocks. one. Well, he has three jobs now. The third one is telling Brian Cushing how to spell, but that's a story for another time. Or actually, you can go back and listen to that one in another episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Werner Ram, new segment that we're doing. Straight from the source. You've got sources I don't, so this is where I listen to you educate <laughs> me on all of the happenings in the NFL. You wrote about this in your column this week, Stack in the Box. I did. Um, so I led with four players that from talking to people around the league are guys you should be watching for. They're, they're breakout candidates. Um, and you know, heard some of the same names repeatedly. And So I'll, I'll run down a, a few of them quickly, and I'll, I'll let you speak because the first one I think you have a uh, vested interest in. So one of the guys I was told by a few people, hey, watch out for this guy, is Ronald Jones. Second-year running back at a USC, plays for Tampa Bay. Um, look, Jones last year was really disappointing. 23 carries, 44 yards for the whole season. That was it. Uh, you know, didn't get a lot of playing time. My understanding uh, from a few sources is, look, he's, he's a lot more confident this year. The Buccaneers believe that he can be now the back that they drafted him to be a year ago. Uh, obviously, the, the Bucs really haven't had a franchise back since the heyday of Doug Martin. So yeah. this would be a big step up and a big help to Jameis Winston, who, of course, is trying to cut down on the turnovers. And by the way, I've got to say, so I got a great mailbag question <laughs> this week on Twitter about sirens in the background of this podcast. And he's like, is Chicago really that bad? And I, I wish I remembered who tweeted to me, but I want to appreciate you, and I'm going to shout you out on this podcast. We moved to a new office now. Now we're in downtown Chicago. We are on the upper level of our building. It's a gorgeous office. We moved out of a place that was not quite so nice, and there was a reason for more sirens to be going on. Now we're in a great place, and I was just commenting to hell before this. We're not going to have to worry about that now. And then, like, a five-alarm fire just just broke out, and a bunch of fires (laughs) just went by. So, uh, to you, Twitter, sir, the sirens will be less, but I can't guarantee that Chicago's not going to have a fire downtown. Um, But anyway, Ronald Jones. Uh, he is supposed to be one of the big breakout guys this year. Uh, I was hoping that he would be a breakout star last year. <laughs> yeah, well, but he wasn't. He wasn't, which doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence that he's going to be a breakout star this year. Look, the Buccaneers have not had a franchise running back since Doug Martin, and then before that since Warwick Dunn. It, there's been like two in the last 25 years. Like you could say Michael Pittman came in and won a Super Bowl with him. That's fine. Or Thomas Jones, whatever. These are just guys. Cadillac Williams could have been the guy, but then his knees decided that they didn't want to play football. Ronald Jones needs to take a step up this year. 
But I don't know if he doesn't, if that's necessarily the worst thing for the Buccaneers because they feel like they're still in a transitional period. Like, let's, because we talked about Jameis Winston and if Bruce Arians can come in and fix him, and if he can't fix him, then nobody can because he's the quarterback whisperer. So you're going to have to hard reset everything when you're taking a quarterback at the top of the draft next year. What does that mean about the rest of the offense? Like, honestly, the only two pieces of that offense that I would say are immovable are Mike Evans and OJ Howard. Yep. And even Howard, yep. you might be, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they were like, okay. The Patriots are calling up. They want to offer a second-round pick for O.J. Howard. Fine, sure, let's do that. Not saying that that would happen, but if you get in a deal like that, you can move on from these pieces. The only player that is not going to get Evans. moved on that offense is Evans. Yep. Everybody else is playing for their job. And Ronald Jones is only in his second year now, but he wouldn't be the first second-year guy to find himself on the waivers in his third year if things don't go well. He doesn't have a lot of competition ahead of him. Peyton Barber is a guy. He's a nice story. But he's not this franchise guy that you're throwing out there. Um, I don't even actually think that Doug Martin was that impressive because he didn't fit into the offense the way that Come on, man, the muscle you would have thought. Hey, yeah, he's got a cool nickname, but that's it. He had, that's all he has he to show he had for. A good year and stuff. Yeah, Raheem Morris uh, and the Youngry oh Bucks. And then, the yeah, Youngry yeah, Bucks. Youngry was catchy yeah. at the time. And then it's like, Graciano. Oh, that aged incredibly poorly. Yeah. But, yeah, Ronald Jones needs to take a step forward. The thing is, how is Bruce Arians going to use him in his offense? He's just had David Johnson in uh, Those Arizona. I forget who his running back was in uh, in uh, Indianapolis that one year. Nobody remembers. But, and then that's the Some, thing. Somebody so how, who was probably not good. But that's the thing. Unless you're David Johnson, how important are you in a Bruce Arians offense? The whole thing revolves around Jameis Winston. And I don't know if Ronald Jones is good enough to take the the pressure off of Winston. And even if he does... Is Winston just going to not look good? And by association, we're going to go, man, Ronald Jones isn't getting enough carries. We're going to find out. But the, the sources do say uh, that he's a guy to watch. So I'll, I'll run down a few other ones uh, quickly. So one guy who every time, every single time I ask personnel executives around the league, who, do you, who are you hearing about? Who's going to surprise? Juan Thornhill over and over and over and over. Look, I can tell you, and I've been saying this for months, I've been writing this for months, the Chiefs were – Floored that they got him in the second round. They figured when they traded for Frank Clark that they were not going to be able to get Juan Thornhill. There were a lot of teams who thought Thornhill should have been a first-round pick. He ended up falling. So he ends up going late second round to the Chiefs. The Chiefs internally love him. They have loved him since OTAs. They love him through mini camps. They love him now in training camp. Uh, in fact, a few hours right before we record this, he had a pick of Patrick Mahomes. He picked off Tyreek Hill, or a uh, pass intended for Tyreek Hill on a deep ball. He is going to play a lot of snaps immediately in Kansas City. And there is an expectation around the league, look, don't be surprised if he's a pro bowler right away, if he is that kind of a player. I think we saw last year Derwin James. I don't know that anyone expects Thornhill to have that impact. I mean, you could argue Derwin James had the best rookie season since Eric Berry is a safety. The Thornhill's a guy to watch. He's going to play next to Tyron Matthew, and he's going to get a lot of snaps. And he can play a little corner too, so you can move him around a little bit. And that's valuable in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. Another guy uh, to keep an eye on is Quincy Williams, a third-round pick of Jacksonville. Uh, a lot of people really impressed by him. Doug Marone actually a week ago talked publicly about that he might be the fastest guy on the whole team. He's a converted safety. Uh, he's, he's in line to take most of these snaps from Talvin Smith, who's sitting out the year for personal reasons. Quincy Williams, from all accounts, can really play. Jacksonville thinks they got a stud. Uh, unfortunately, there's a torn meniscus, so he's out from right now from four to six weeks. He might miss the first couple weeks of the season. 
to keep an eye on Quincy Williams. He is going to be very good. And another note coming out of Jacksonville with Yannick Ngakwe, who has reported to camp after holding out the first week. They are, from my understanding, far apart in any kind of contract negotiation. The thought is he's going to play out this year, and then he's probably getting the franchise tag. That is where they sit right now. Um, I, I think Ngakwe is motivated to have a great year, obviously, in a contract year, and Jacksonville is motivated to keep him. They, they like Ngakwe quite a bit, but look for him to get the tag next year uh, unless they have a big, big uh, shrinking of the gap because right now they're, they're not anywhere close. Um, and then another guy, and the last guy I'll throw in here, is uh, Dontrell Hilliard, the running back for the Cleveland Browns. He's a second-year kid. He was on the practice squad last year, I believe, out of Tulane. Uh, there's a thought coming out of Cleveland. He's turning a lot of the heads in th- that he needs to be turning with the Browns. He's a young kid, obviously, got a lot of athleticism. And you'd say, well, that room's stacked. How's he going to make it? Well, Duke Johnson wants out. Kareem Hunt suspended the first eight games of the year. So – all of a sudden, Hillier's working his way into where if they trade Johnson, he might be looking at a lot of reps sitting behind Nick Chubb. But they are really high on him. They think that he could be a contributor in an offense that is already loaded with guys who are going to be getting the football. And the final note I have real quick is on Washington and with Trent Williams. That situation is obviously very public. He wants to be traded. He doesn't like the medical staff there. My understanding from a source close to the situation is that is not getting any better anytime soon. He wants out. The Redskins are trying to convince him otherwise. But as things sit right now, Trent Williams is very, very stern in wanting to get out of D.C. Straight from the source. Or sources, as it may be. But, yes, I'm a big fan of this uh, this part of the podcast. It's good times. Uh, There's going to be a lot of people not a big fan of the last thing we're going to talk about here as we wrap things up. It's going to be who's going to be the first head coach fired. And either you're going to be in the camp of Oh, it's way too early to be talking about that stuff. I can't believe you guys are talking about it in the first preseason. Of the- Get out of that camp. It's going to be a good time. You're going to be the other camp, which is going to be, uh, we're going to mention your head coach, and you're going to go, well, it's the first preseason game. Or you or could thank agree God. with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. there, there are uh, greener pastures ahead. You know, I would hate to see it because I think he's a good coach, but McDermott and Buffalo, if that thing really goes Ooh, south. Yeah. Now, I, I don't think he should be fired. I want to no, be clear no, no, about no. that. I think he's really good. But, you know, look, it wouldn't be the first time a team gets antsy and pulls the trigger. Um, so I'll, I'll throw out. But I, I'm much more confident saying below uh, is, is my, my pick here. Yeah, that's usually the safest option to go with. Uh, but the question with Billow is, and he's not number one, spoiler alert there, the question with Billow is which job does he get fired from? <laughs> yeah, is, is he only fired from one of the jobs? <laughs> That'd be amazing. That would be stunning. Um, the 120 to 1 odds are no head coach fired. And I was trying to look this up, and I don't believe it's ever happened in NFL history where we've gone through an offseason. I think you'd have to go back to, like, the 60s. But yeah, even there, then I was like going 10 through. Teams or, yeah. Yeah, I don't think since the merger we've had an offseason where a head coach hasn't gotten fired. But anyways, Jay Gruden leads the list in Washington 3-1 to one odds. Dysfunctional. I've, you wrote about it. I wrote about it. Please read on Saturday the Bucks. Go, go, just, just Google search Redskins Dysfunction and, and my name. Believe me, it'll come up. Um, maybe even just Redskins Dysfunction might do the trick, although there's probably a lot of competition for that headline. Uh, they're insane if they fire Jay Gruden. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? What is the expectation of? I will tell you right now, having done a very deep sourced report on that team, like they're one Bruce Allen meltdown away from that happening. <laughs> and and by the way, they've almost fired Jay Gruden before. Okay, this you know th- that was told to me by a handful of people that Jay Gruden has been on the nice previously. 
So, yeah, if Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins don't get the train rolling early here, uh, you know, nothing's out of the question. Dwayne Haskins. All the eggs are in Dwayne Haskins' basket. Uh, we don't have to go far for our second favorite head coach to get fired because if we could stay in the division. Pat Shermer in New York, 7-1 to one odds. The Giants are a franchise. They typically are very patient. It's a very patient organization with Tish and Mara at the top. They don't make snap judgments. They were a disaster last year, and things are not off to a great start this year. My Daniel guess Jones is, isn't doing it for you? Well, and that's what <laughs> I was just about to say. So week six, the Giants are in Foxborough for a Thursday night game. They then have 10 days off, and then they host the Cardinals. My guess is that's where Daniel Jones enters the picture because Shermer's going to know – if I ride this whole thing out with Manning and we go 3-13, and 4-12, and 12, I'm, I'm probably gone even with patience. But if Jones comes in and they show any glimmer of hope, then you can sell the idea of, look, we're turning it around. He's a young kid. Let me coach him. Continuity. So I think Shermer stays as long as Jones comes in at some point and he's not a wreck. Now, if he's just terrible, then that's all the reason the Giants need to just move on. But... The bigger question I have, and I'll ask you, Gettleman. Yeah. What are they doing? I mean, because Gettleman, the media's turned both barrels on him. What is going to happen with Dave Gettleman? I I don't know. He seems to have the ear of ownership, but, man, he has been a rough, rough GM there. I don't know what kind of GM candidates that we're looking at. For because like Joe Douglas goes to New York for the the other New York, not the Giants. He goes to the Jets, and he was kind of going to be the guy next year if he hadn't left Philadelphia. Well, Brian might be available. Bill O'Brien. Bring him in as GM. Could you imagine? <laughs> Bill O'Brien gets to run the Daniel Jones show. Since he did such a great job with Christian Hackenberg and TJ Yates and uh, all these guys. Like, what do they do? It's kind of the Redskins situation where what's the expectation when you're looking for a head coach? Who's going to come and coach them? Like, they are, they just went through this a year ago. It's the New York football giants. And they had Pat Shermer as the only guy to get that job. Like, Jim Schwartz would have been a good option because they still had a defense at that point. They hadn't traded everybody away. So you bring in Jim Schwartz, maybe he's able to do what he, a little bit of what he did uh, in Detroit in a similar situation. Like, Matthew Stafford is, as we've established, kind of like the baseline for comparing quarterbacks to one another. Eli Manning is in and around that medium. Like, Oh, he's below that. Well, yeah. but it's, like It's over. Yeah, I mean, he, no, I'm taking Matthew Stafford. But... The point is, like, Schwartz has come into a situation where he's like, he doesn't have a franchise quarterback the way that you would be walking into Green Bay or like, if you have a Deshaun Watson or a Patrick Mahomes. And he, he turned the Lions around, and he did it with defense. The Giants had defense at the time. I think that's a big missed opportunity for them. Now what do they do? Where do they go? Right. Who are they? I mean, it's really too early to identify Man. the head coaching candidates. Right. But, like, right. usually, even this time last year, some coordinators were sticking out to us. And, like, right now, it's like, okay, you fire Sherman, you fire Gettleman. What are you going to do? And then who's the quarterback? What do you do with defense? Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not fun times in New York. No, it's not. And if I, but if I were the Giants, I mean, look, I have no idea who the head coach mechanics are going to be, but I would, I would be looking at Mike McCarthy as a serious option. I know Packers fans, oh, Mike McCarthy. Listen, you want a Super Bowl. One year after, and you can say Rodgers, Rodgers, Rodgers. That's all fine and well. You know what? After they fired McCarthy last year, they were still a mess. And early returns this year are Rodgers not not having an easy time with that offense. That doesn't mean he won't have a great year, but I, I think Mike McCarthy gets more crap than he deserves, quite honestly. If I were the Giants and they hired him, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, Ben McAdoo says hello. Giants fans say, hey, Ben McAdoo, we're going to do this again. You're a Sopranos extra. <laughs> You're working for the Gambino crime family now. <laughs> yeah. uh, your boy. Your favorite, up next, 10 to 1 odds, 
Matthew Patricia. Oh my god! Like there are sometimes you watch a team, you watch, and you're just like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care if this guy gets more experience. What? That's just not happening. Nope. And I think Matt Patricia, personally, I've never had any experience with him. Seems like a nice enough guy, but he just looks and acts overmatched. He's combative for no reason. Now, look, I'm also going to be fair to him. That team's just no good. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. I mean, he's not he's not coaching a team with a lot of talent. Stafford's okay. He's he's not been the same player the last couple of years. And who's their biggest weapon? Kenny Galladay and T.J. Hawkinson. Oof. Okay, I mean, Hawkinson's gotten rave reviews in camp, but even even if he turns out to be Tony Gonzalez, I mean, what are you talking about offensively? They're not great. So, and defensively, they're sure as hell not great. So, I think I think to be fair to the man, he's had a tough go of it. But I also just look at him and the way that team plays. They're not well coached. I if if you actually you bring him up, if you said to me you got to bet money on one of these guys going, he. he he might get my my twenty dollar bill. Ten to one. He might get. I mean, they, he, they stink, and he's shown me nothing. They have no weapons outside of Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. But since we're since since you besmirched the good name of our favorite Bill O'Brien, lest we forget, Danny Amendola is on that team now. Oh my God! They're rolling Jesse him James. out. The yep, guy, that's right. Just the most indescript group of players. Carry on, Johnson. Just. Yeah, and I actually like carry on. Boy, he's a running CJ Henderson. Days. Okay, great. So they signed him <laughs> after he had his one year, you know, his one, his one year, sign. one like one, uh, yeah, three week games. revival. Yeah. <laughs> they're just the biggest collection of guys on the face of the earth. They've no, there's nobody going into a game against them. We are like, man, got to mark him, got to shut him down. I mean, I, I like, and I like Kenny Galladay, and I even like carry on Johnson. But you know, let's not make these guys out to be more than they are. I mean, that that team is just a group of eh. Okay, sure. They're going to win five or six games. Mike yeah. Daniels, Snack Harrison on the defensive line. I actually like their D line, Sean Robinson. But I just okay, it's like Darius Slay in that secondary. Who else? Tease Tabor, Glover Quinn retired. Miles Killebrew. Great, <laughs> great. Like, and their schedule. Justin early in Coleman, the year, dude. Their schedule early in the year is pretty rough, if memory serves. I know they play the Chiefs and the Chargers the first four weeks of the year. I believe they're at Arizona to start the, the season. They which, are. You know, look, you could argue it's not a hard game, but at the same point, like, you know, the Lions, it's a road game. It's not easy. That's my earliest dying on the hill is that's the Kyler Murray coronation. Where yeah, that's the kind out. of game where he goes berserk and everybody's already turning him 400 into 400 yards yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Kingsbury's it's... going eight wide. You know, <laughs> yes. They're playing with 19 guys offensively. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you right now. Here's, here's a little thing just as a total aside. The Cardinals might stink, but they're going to be different. And early in the season, different is difficult. Yep. Now, they may get figured out after 3-4. Kind of like the Wildcat. Remember that years ago in Miami? Yep. When Miami pounded New England at Foxborough, oh, yeah. they Pat came White. out with that. And nobody, like Ronnie Brown, like nobody knew what the hell was going on. And then as time went on, they're like, oh, right. This is how we have to stop it. It's a gimmick, it. yeah. And then it was immediately killed. I could see the Cardinals first like month of the year if Murray is good. Them being a problem. Now, I don't think they have enough talent to sustain that, but take it for what it's worth. By the way, Cliff Kingsbury, very low odds to uh, get fired year. after one year. year. But, I mean, again. But they the just first, fired a guy in the first Steve year. Steve Wilkes, so we'll who, see. as we were talking about John Gruden with his nightmare speech, didn't Wilkes give out uh, bricks or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, that was Because you're building the foundation. I actually You don't build bad. a foundation with bricks. It's I like, felt bad for Steve Wilkes. That was just a terrible situation. He did a terrible job, but it's just not good. Yeah, he was kind of thrown into the fire there. All right, now, the number four man on our list, favorite to get fired, Friend of the podcast, Bill O'Brien. We've got to have him on one time. Fourteen to one odds. Oh, look, we don't even have to go into this. I feel like at this point, I'm just piling on. But I, 
I'm sorry. Like it's not going to happen. The, the thing is, it's the, not. You're right. It's the not fourteen to one odds. Who owns that like, building? He could have. The, he could be the top one. It's ridiculous. This is yeah. It's stupid. Whatever. Well, I just I just look at them and it's like, you have Sean Watson. You have no ability to block for him. You have DeAndre Hopkins. You've never put a decent guy on the other side of him. Like Will Fuller's fine, but Will Fuller is not, frankly, a, like the, the top end number two, and he's been no. hurt a lot. Okay, they have no tight ends. Field Gates VSPN tweeted out a great stat. He talked about teams that threw the most last year when they were in two tight end formations. The Texans were number two, and the Eagles were one. The Chiefs were three. The Colts were in there. Um, there was one other team. I'm, I'm blanking on who the other team was. The point being, all the teams either had one or two really good tight ends, and then there was the Texans. What are you throwing at? A two tight end personnel play? You have no tight end who can <laughs> catch the football. No, no, no. That's okay. We're going to go two tight ends. It's just the dumbest way to run a football team. The defense is decrepit at this point, at least in the back end. The front end saw some guys. But, man, yeah, I, look, we've talked about it forever. Mm-hmm. When Watson got hurt his rookie year, and they went from 4-3 and three to 4-12, and 12, and they cratered. Yep. They should have fired him then. It was a perfect excuse. They could have gotten anybody. Anybody would have taken that job. There's no state tax in Texas. Watson looked like a demigod that year. Anybody would have gone down there and taken that job, and they let Bill O'Brien in charge. So they get whatever they they deserve, whatever they get for keeping him after that. Next one on the list is a little, it was a little interesting. Dan Quinn, twenty-seven to two odds, which is a funky number. Yeah, so like thirteen and a half to one. Dan Quinn, though, I mean, he's not a name that he. Every single year we get to the end of the season, and you get like, oh, what's the surprise firing going to be? I think, I mean, obviously this all hinges on the Falcons bouncing back from last year, and I think that he gets a little bit of a mulligan because the entire they roster hurt. got hurt, hurt in the first game against Philadelphia. So it all hinges on what what the Falcons end up do bouncing back. But this is another franchise like the Giants, like the Lions, who are very high on this odds list. But Dan Quinn and the Falcons, 27-2 to odds. You know what? I understand why the odds are where they are. You laid out a good case. I'll leave it at that. But I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. I think they're going to be very good. Uh, my only question with them is, and this is a big question. People always overlook this, is the trenches. they got a couple of offensive linemen who are rookies. Caleb McGarry's already out as he's dealing with a heart issue. Um, that's my big concern with them. And then the other side of it is with, with them as well, the red zone. Like, what's happening? Because ever since Kyle yep. Shanahan hasn't been there, it's been a big issue for them. I I like the Falcons. I think they're going to bounce back. So, obviously, I'm, I'm high on the Dan Quinn rebound uh, you know, side of this and not so much he's going to get fired. But, hey, look, let's be real. You know, the, the one thing with the Falcons, they're in a tough division, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Tampa's better. I, and, and I'm not saying that the Pans of the Uke or Bucks, and I, believe me, you know me well enough, I would just tell you I think they suck. Uh, I think they're good. I, I think the Buccaneers are going to bounce back big. I think the Panthers, it all hinges on Newton's shoulder to me. If yep. Newton's shoulder's healthy, they can be dangerous. If he, if his arm is shot and Will Greer's in there week three, it's over. Uh, but I think the Falcons will be better. I think they'll compete for a plus. Well, I think they'll compete for the division. Um, but I understand why he's on the list. Because they have another bad year, then you start looking at, okay, is it time to make a change? Uh, the last one from the top, 16-1 to 1 odds, Doug Marone in Jacksonville. It's fair. It's fair, and I like Doug Marone. I think he's an underrated head coach because he doesn't have a lot of personality, so guys like that tend to kind of get shoehorned out of the conversation. I think Doug Marone's a good coach. The problem with them is who is on that offense. I was reading an article today, and I, I'm not going to say who wrote it because I respect the person and because it would be a jerk move by me. But he was writing about how he thinks Jacksonville's got Super Bowl talent. 
And I just – I don't see it, man. I just don't – I think defensively they might. But offensively – It's a man, tough that, take. That's just – like, I just – man, you look at the AFC, and I promise this all relates to Marone. The Chargers have players everywhere. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs have offensive talent coming out of their ears. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be sitting guys that, that would start on Jacksonville, like McCall Hardman. He's going to be a fourth wide receiver. He'd probably be the best guy on the team in Jacksonville. I mean, Chris Connolly might be the number one receiver there. Is Marquise yeah. Lee still recovering? Chris Connolly could barely get on the field by the end of the season last year in Kansas City. So, you know, New England's like that. Indianapolis is like that. That's a very tough division. I think Jacksonville's better because Foles is obviously better than Paul's. Oh, yeah. Okay, but, man, I just – I think it's rough. I think they're better, but I think Moreau might get the boot because it's just going to be looked upon. Like, if they go 7-9, and nine, it's better, but it's a good enough. I don't know. Uh, and you got to wonder, too, you know, Dave Caldwell there as GM. Like, does, does he keep his job? Yeah. He's been there a while. He's done a very nice job building that defense, and I think he drafted really well this year. I love their draft um, with, with Josh Allen and, and, and uh, uh, Juwan uh, Taylor, I believe, it, the tackle out of Florida, blanking on his name. I believe that's it. Um, but, yeah, I can I see why Marone's that high. I think Quinn, of all those guys, to me, to me, Quinn is the biggest reach. Uh, we'll wrap up on these ones. Other notable coaches and their odds. Let's just say you're walking up the street here to the fan-sided office in Chicago and you found a suitcase full of $1,000. And you're going straight to your bookie. And you're saying, I'm going to put down these odds on uh, Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens is 30 to 1 odds. Are you putting that suitcase down on the table and saying, give me the ticket, I'll see you at the end of the year to collect? That's an interesting one. Because if that, I, we've said this a lot on this podcast, and I've written this a lot. If that thing goes south, it is going south. There is no safety net. They have no experience. Nope. They've got a ton of loud personalities, and that's fine. But if they start the year one in three or something, like I, you can just see that coming a mile away. I wouldn't put the briefcase down because I think they're better than Cincinnati and Baltimore. I. I think by talent alone, they're at least eight and eight, nine and seven, and that should be enough to save them. But man, the idea of them being like two and four and Jimmy Haslam sitting up in his office just <laughs> chewing on like a piece of rawhide trying to calm himself down, it scares me. But he's looking for the uh, helicopter from the feds to chase him. Yeah, <laughs> but I, yeah, you know, the old, the old pilot J or flight, whatever the hell it's called. Um, but I, um, I wouldn't put the briefcase down. But that is a very intriguing one. Mike Zimmer is eighteen to one odds. His seat has get, been getting a lot hotter seat is getting these hotter. last couple of years. Let's say the Vikings make the playoffs, but they lose in the wild card. I think he stays. If they don't make the playoffs, I think he's gone. And I think look, they invested a ton in Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good roster. If that doesn't work, the, the telltale sign there too is Tony Sperano was a big time piece of that coaching staff, and he passed away in, the, in camp last year. Yep. Then, late last year, John Filippo, who a lot of people thought was going to be a head coach, gets fired. Now he's in Jacksonville. When you start – now, obviously, Sprano was a tragic situation, but I'm focusing here on Filippo. When you start firing guys off your coaching staff, start losing guys off your staff, that, and it's not because they're getting hired to be a head coach somewhere, that is a, a bad sign. Zimmer, to me, they got to win you know, 10 games, get back in the playoffs, rebound. If they don't do that, if they go 8-8 eight and eight again – 
I think he's probably looking for work. And he'll get it because I think he is a good head coach, but it might not be working in Minnesota. Uh, would he get a jo- uh, job as a defensive coordinator and not a oh, head coach? Immediately. But I think, I think he'd be in the mix for other head coaching jobs, but I think he'd definitely be a coordinator. Last one. Uh, favorite among is he or is he not going to get fired and somehow has avoided the execution that we all thought was coming years ago. Jason Garrett, 20 to 1 odds. Dude, he's not going to get fired. Like they, they just, for whatever the reason, they just can't help themselves. They just think he's, he's God's gift to coaching. Here's my theory on this. The, the Cowboys are waiting for Drew Brees to retire. Because mm. when he retires, Sean Payton... Look, he loves New Orleans. He's a New Orleans guy now through and through. But he's also got a history in Dallas as an assistant coach when Barcells was there. He and Jerry Jones are very tight. And that's not breaking news. That's been said a long time. I've seen it firsthand. Those guys are very, very close. And my guess is, is when Breeze retires, all of a sudden, unless Garrett's winning division after division, I think you're going to see a situation where well, you know what, maybe it's not working out anymore. And I'll look at that. Maybe Sean Payton has interest in going to coach the Cowboys. I could definitely see that being the case. He's still a young guy in head, in head coaching circles, and I think that might be the end game here. Um, some of it's connecting the dots. Some of it's kind of talk around the league, but th- that is my uh, thought. I think Jason Garrett is safe until Drew Brees hangs it up. Last two things, I want to give a specific shout-out to – our guy Brad and Brad works with my dad in Timplex in New Jersey, and Brad is a loyal listener. Man went out and bought himself some swag. That's right. And so Brad, we we're shouting you out. And next time you see the old man, feel free to give him some nonsense because I'm not shouting him out. He's just he happens just to be an accessory in the story. I appreciate you, Brad. I appreciate you wearing the gear. Lance was uh, on the show though. Lance was on the show, and we're gonna have to bring him back at some point because he's always got uh, some interesting opinions. Um, but, but we want to give a shout out to a fan and then finally and I want to close on this um, Don Banks passed away on Sunday morning in Canton, Ohio he was covering the Hall of Fame game and all the festivities um, and he had just gotten a job with the Las Vegas Review Journal a brand new gig for him after a few years of freelancing for a, a litany of companies the Athletic uh, Fan Sided look I got to know Don, and, and Hill got to know Don a little bit through um, through him freelancing here. He's a great guy. And I got to know him really well out on the road when I got to cover the Super Bowl and, and uh, the Combine. Met Don for drinks um, and couldn't have been a nicer guy. Just could not have been more helpful, more insightful. You know, there's not a lot of people in this business who want to see younger guys succeed. They don't, believe me. They want to see you fail. Um it helps them to stay on top. And I'm now 31, but I'm, I'm young in this business. Obviously, Hill is as well. Hill's still in his 20s. Selfish. Right. Um, but we're all young in this. And, and Don was always a champion of helping everybody out. He was a great guy. Um, and I saw him at the combine, and we, we you know took turns buying each other rounds. So he, he likes white wine, and I like rum and coke with a lime. And we had a lot of conversations and some great times and some great memories. And I didn't get to know Don nearly as much as I would have liked to uh, in the following years. But uh, my condolences to his family, uh, all of his friends, which he had so many of around the, the league. Um, and uh, we will we'll miss him both just as a person and as a writer. Um, and so, Don, rest in peace. Uh, be thinking about you. So, on that note, 
We will be back next week with Stacking the Box. We will be back every single week. And as the season rolls on, we've got more and more stuff coming. Uh, but, hey, preseason football. Buckle Get up. hyped. <laughs> Get hyped. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.